0: to BruinSource. this is Zed. This is Kevin. Um, and we are back today uh, at BruinSource um, with unfortunately some really pretty heartbreaking news um, that we I think a lot of people have probably already found out by now um, but um, we're sad to hear that Jalen Hill um, passed away last night or we found out passed away last night. Um, under you know, obviously unknown circumstances, and, and we don't want to speculate about anything here. But uh, just just hearing that was, you know, it it kind of shook me. Um, if I'm being honest, it was just really really sad to hear it.
1: Shook me a lot. Just and, and we only knew him through his time at UCLA. And he went through so much just during that time itself and grew so much uh, during that time, right? I mean, from where it started for him in, in China, obviously, and then going through a coaching change and then establishing himself as a, as a key contributor on the team. And then really unfortunately had to leave the team for, for mental health ish, uh, reasons. And um, it, it's it's really tragic. Uh, definitely shook me a lot when I saw the news and. Yeah, of course. You know, thoughts and prayers go out to the family, and you know, it's, yeah, it, 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 was really, really, really sad when I saw it.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, definitely condolences to the family, his friends, his teammates, coaches. You know, everybody who actually personally knew him. Um, I can't imagine. Yeah, I mean, you know, it just it gone, gone too gone too soon right and it really puts it in perspective you know these these kids these these players you know they're they're people they go through it and again we don't know what happened here but it's it is it was just a sad thing to kind of see last night before you know going to going into our evening routine so yeah it's a it's a tough one um just yeah
1: Stay safe out there, everyone. Stay safe out there. That's the to the Hill family.
0: Um, yeah, so hard to, hard to move on from <laughs> that. Um, but um, we do have other things going on um, in the UCLA athletic sports world. Um, you know, football is still in full swing. Um, we just had a game against... University of Southern Alabama, and it was very frustrating to say the least.
1: To say the least.
0: <laughs> I think we learned a lot about this team, though.
1: I do think we learned a lot about the team, and, you know, through this non conference schedule, I think we were looking to say, you know, what, is this team good enough to just blow across these teams and get to conference play? with some hope that we could make a push for a conference title. And that should be the expectation right now in year five, because every coach we have had uh, since you know we've been old enough to follow UCLA football, even Rick Neuheisel had a team that was competing for the conference title going all the way into the final game of the season. That last year with New York, that last SC game—if we won it, we would have won the Pac-12 South outright, and we lost fifty to nothing, right? So that's another issue altogether. But every coach has had that. So we were looking for some hope that this team could do it, and I think what we found out is that this team is about average, and there's no other really way to put it. And and there are there are people out there that are saying, "Oh well, South Alabama is better than we think," and South Alabama is you know better. Uh, than a lot of teams were going to play this year. I, I think South Alabama is better than we thought preseason. Um, but most of the projections had them about a middle-of-the-pack Sun Belt team. And whatever you want to say, you know, no disrespect to the Sun Belt, the competition we're going to see this year is much better. Uh, and we're going to have to play, obviously, on the road at some of these places. And we're still not very consistent on either side of the ball. If, if we're being completely honest our, our offense has taken a dip a little bit uh you know and, and we talked about this all offseason the changes we had in the offensive line it's going to be a little worse than last year but how much worse uh I think it is a big enough dip to where it's going to put more pressure on us and our defense uh that first game I think at this point it's clear that it was a little bit of a mirage uh South Alabama was able to get some balance they were able to run they were able to throw a bit uh it's the same defensive it's the same defensive issues and and then not just that i would say that we still make a lot of mistakes we turn the ball over um we do get some penalties so all of this has the makings of 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 an average team to me
0: i i totally agree with that um Especially considering, you know, there's some Pac-12 teams we thought were going to be not good (laughs) um, or worse um, than they actually are. I think Washington being one of those teams that I think is actually looking better than they they were projected to be. Um, You know, really the only team I look at ahead on the schedule and I'm like, that's a surefire win is is Colorado. This coming weekend. Even then. Yes, this coming weekend. But even then, I can be like, oh, "Well, who knows?" Uh, I think Washington is better. Arizona is better than we thought they were going to be, um, and, and so it's it's becoming more difficult to look at this UCLA team and be like, "Yeah, they can you know win ten plus games here." I I don't see it with the way we've been playing, and I I don't think we can keep using the "Hey, Chip Kelly's just." Uh, you know hiding his cards or, or keeping the game plan under wraps like I just if 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 that again is going to cost us potentially games like uh southern Alabama then is it worth doing that like we're not a good enough team to be able to actually hold our cards to, uh, close to our chest then we sh- have no business trying to do that and I I just want to be clear. I don't. Th- we did not win this last game. Like we got very very lucky that we came out on top, um, and solely only because Southern Alabama basically didn't respect us and went for a crazy fourth down fake. Um, it didn't you know go through for them, but like that just showed you how much they disrespected our defense, and rightfully so. Um, I don't blame them for trying that, but if they if they had just you know played that in the more conventional way, I think we lose that game.
1: Yeah, I, I I still don't get the logic behind a fake field goal. I, I think if they just lined up and ran their offense, they were getting uh, on that drive an easy five six yards whenever they wanted it. And the way we play coverage, I mean, soft coverage, just toss the ball to the to the receiver. he, he can walk forward for two yards. So. We definitely got really lucky to walk out of that. Um, again, it's this coming weekend, I think, is actually going to be an easier game because uh, Colorado looks completely useless right now. Uh, and again, Vegas has taken notice. We're 20 and a half point favorites or so First right now. First road game, though. First road game. I just have the feeling that this game is going to be another set of mirages and then we're going to come back at home against Washington and that's when we're really going to see uh, what we're about. Because uh, colorados they're, they're really struggling. Their coach is fighting for their life. The, the athletic director released a statement saying that they're going to, you know, support Coach Durrell for, and they want the whole team to do it. And in and, and, and many words, what that statement means is we're going to keep him for the week and let's see how this goes. Um so with all that going on, if we still can't come out with it, uh, you know, that, that'd be really scary. Y- your point about like, the, the keeping the cards close to the vest and keeping a vanilla game plan, I could buy all of that, except that means that what you do run, you should be able to execute it really well. And, right. Right? Like, that's usually when you see all these like, teams playing lesser teams in the opening weeks of college football. You'll, you'll hear that, oh, they kept it close to the vest, but they're not making mistakes, they're not getting penalized, they're not turning the right. ball over, Absolutely. right? And, and we still do that. And that's the issue I have, and, and once again, I just keep coming back to this, year five, right? And, and Chip Kelly, he wants to have a team that is disciplined, he wants to have a team that is tough, because that's, again, like if you look at the way he set up the program and the recruiting and all that stuff, like that's the model he's going after and we don't do that. So it doesn't exist. It doesn't. Ex- it's never existed. So we're a team that doesn't have a great defense. Our offense is. I would. Say, I would say it's above average right now. Right. It's. It's. It's a good offense. That'll be at the top end of the Pac-12 and the top three or four in the Pac-12. Um. And and we still make mistakes. That's that's all the makings of a seven and five team right there. Like the it, <laughs> right. All of that's the makings of a seven and five team.
0: I. I wouldn't be shocked if we went 6-6 six and six and just scrape by becoming a, a bowl-eligible team. Um, would not surprise me one bit. Would not be shocked at all. I, I just, there's no, yeah, there hasn't been any kind of consistency with the team. There hasn't been that discipline, like you said. Um, and I, I really think, like, you know, I, to your point, our offense is going to be good, and we're going to get into shootouts, and... One of two things is going to happen. It's going to be either we're not going to be able to stop the team, the opposing team, ever. So we're just going to be in these shootouts every game. Uh, And two, I think our offensive line is just not good enough right now to actually, um, like, in a key drive. Like, I could see that failing us. Right. Not giving D T R enough time to throw, not protecting him, not opening up holes for the running backs. Those types of issues will pop up probably at the worst time possible on like a game potential game winning drive, and we're not going to be able to convert, and we're going to lose games because of it. Um,
1: And let's just put put into context, yeah. And let's put into context like exactly how good we think South Alabama is, because if you look at some, I I looked at some various college football rankings where they rank all the teams in F P S. Uh, I looked at CBS Sports. I looked at The Athletic. Um, I looked at Scout. And all of them have them somewhere between... Uh, CBS had them the highest. They had them, like, 70th. And then The Athletic and Scout, they have them somewhere in the the high 80s. So that's the level that we're... We're not talking about a top 50. No, 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 no. No, not at all. That's the level that, that we're at. And, and frankly, if we look at that game, it looks like we found our level. Like, that's that's about what, where we're at. And there are currently you know Washington's ahead of us in that rankings Utah Oregon Stanford's ahead of us in that rankings SC is um, Arizona I think was like was still still below us uh, UCLA right now is rated anywhere between 40 and 50 and you know again we you, you leave it to the to each individual on that is that good enough for you do, do, do we think that that's acceptable? In year five, when it doesn't look like it's getting any better from here, you know, it did
0: well, and and arguably it might be getting worse, um, you know, especially defensively and at defensive tackle. We are like razor, razor, razor thin. Um, we unfortunately found out the bad news that Martin Andrus uh, again has been lost for this season. Um, if you have followed this poor guy's career at all here at UCLA, he. He has flashed some incredible talent. He has looked the part, and he's generally played well when he's been on the field. But he's been injured multiple, multiple times, and I think this is his sixth year with the team. Uh, he would be able to petition for a seventh year, which would be pretty abnormal. But you know, it, losing a, a key defensive tackle is not good. Um, not and and you know just again. Not just for the team. Like, I, I, my heart goes out to this kid. He pl- has played his hardest. He is, you know, his career here has just been tough for him, injury wise, and um, it's it's really really sad to see that. Um, and then on top of that, um, Gary Smith. Um, yep. I believe. Yep. Is also hurt.
1: Yeah. So so South Alabama. If we set the context on this. Uh, so, first off, I agree with everything. Martin Andrus, I mean, really tough for that kid. And he's worked so hard, overcome so much, and to see this happen again, that is just – that's that's devastating in and of itself. If, now, in the context of the game, our our defensive front was – I mean, they were dominated. But let's, let's call it for what it is, all right? Like, they ran for 162 yards on 32 carries. uh that the rush was was never never there. We didn't get a, an actual sack on the quarterback. You know, we we got a sack only on that fake field goal. So we, we
0: the Murphy twins were non-existent
1: this game. They were they were non-existent, and I think what kind of hit me in the face in this game in particular was some of these transfers that came in with some hype. Um, yeah, it, it's it's not it's not looking good. The, the Murphy twins came in with a lot of hype. They struggled. Darius Massao, I thought came in. With a lot of hype, he's really struggled. The linebackers overall are struggling. Um, I mean, John John Vons uh, had had I think some bright spots in there. He had he had a, he had a good game in there, um, but that front a lot
0: too was not great that game.
1: Yeah, and it's been, I mean a lot, a lot of these guys that we brought in to kind of salvage the defense. Uh, I mean they're they're doing what they can, and it's it's not on them. Um, they just might be a little out of their depth here, right? It's it's this is nothing on them at all. Uh, someone's either not coaching them up right, or they're not being put in the right position, or again they're out of their depth and they shouldn't be, you know, like doing what they're doing here. And again, with the South Alabama, they they ran for 162 yards, pretty, con- and, they, and they ran pretty pretty consistently. They got close to five yards a rush every time they tried it. So
0: it sounds like it sounds like Bama, not South Alabama.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Just imagine what Bama would be doing here. Uh, Jeez. Yeah. I'd rather not. So yeah, that front seven, and and well before Gary Smith and Martin Andrus were out of the game, they were running pretty well. So I I don't think we can just pin it on on them either.
0: No, 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 no. That wasn't meant to pin it on on those guys. Uh, I think the point is, though, that because of our recruiting um, quote-unquote strategy, we don't have any other really like big D tackles left for depth at this point. Um, like I don't even know who we're going to be starting. Guys like Sykes and, and cobbling together maybe some defensive ends in there that aren't going to have the size to really play the play. You know that middle uh, gap plugging role. And so you know again, this is just another example of recruiting biting us in the ass. Um, and and that's a position that comes at a premium always and we know you we're going to have injuries there like the lines always get injured and so to not recruit for depth and not uh, proactively plan the roster for these instances is just stupid (laughs) like I don't have any other way to put it it's just Yep, boneheaded.
1: And on the other side of the line now, so South Alabama outrushed us to 162 to 144. Uh, to me, it's not just the that they outrushed. It's also that, uh, you know, they outgained us on yards per carry by a whole yard. So they were close to five, and we were 3.9 uh, yards per carry. Uh, so that's a little scary. Zach Charbonnet got the ball 13 times. You, you probably think that they're still nursing him a bit. Uh, but again, to your point earlier, we were about to lose this game. So, like, was it really worth you know not just putting what we could out there? I'm not sure. Uh, Zach Charbonnet was 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 great. He was 13 carries for 78 yards, six 60 yards a carry, fantastic.
0: Yeah, I would. I'd love to know what's going on with him. Um, this, the the uh, split on carries between him and Jones is is bizarre. Now I know that. They've been saying he's been carrying some sort of knock. Uh, I mean, I it did look like he was visibly a little hobbled, but he also gutted out some key plays down the, the stretch there, and I would have, if he is healthy enough to actually keep playing, like actually get him in in more of those key situations. Um, Keegan Jones had an okay game, but... Let's let's not kid at anyone here. Like he is not playing to the level Charbonnet. Obviously, can play or has been
1: playing. Zach Charbonnet was our most productive player, and, and he, he ran it well. He caught three balls for 51 yards. Uh, he is by far the the most productive player that we have. So whatever he's got going on, uh, you know, if he's gonna, if this is going to be the timeshare here, pretty much a 50 50 split between Zach Charbonnet and Keegan Jones. Uh, we're gonna struggle in league play because we're we he's the he's the one guy that you know when he touches the ball it you hold your breath and we don't have anyone else like that I would say on this team and yeah
0: he's 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 I think by far our most elite player maybe not by far I think DTR can be considered that too and and he had a, a fine game too I mean I know there were some of those botched handoffs but i don't know if those were his fault i i think some of that was it looked like we were running plays for the first time in the live setting it some of those were looked like confusion on the running backs ends like i i don't know if those were his fault really so i'm not going to fully pin those on him and other than that he had a pretty good game but again he him and charbonnet though i think are the two guys on offense at least that we can look at and be like okay these guys can make you know, game-changing plays happen. I don't know if there's anybody else on this team that can, that we can say that about.
1: So now we enter league play. And, again, I we go back to our preseason expectation, right? We, we had some measures we wanted to see from the defense to get improved to a top 50 level. Um, they still have time, but that looks like it's going to be a struggle to get there. And we wanted to compete for the conference deep into the season, like go into that SC game with big stakes on the line. Where, how do you see that going right now?
0: Oh, I mean, I, I don't have any... <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't have any expectations at this point. Uh, like, I don't think we're going to be competing for the conference. I don't think we're going to be competing for the South. Um. And frankly, like, I expect us to lose a lot of these games we thought we were going to win. Um, I, I would not be shocked, and this is how sad this is, but I would not be shocked if we lost to Colorado. And not because Colorado is a better team or better coach or has more talent. I, I just don't think we, we're executing at a high enough level. We're still sloppy. We're making mistakes. Um, And I think a lot of that compounds on the road, especially for the first time. Now, we're lucky to have our first game, road game, against Colorado. If I were to choose anybody, I would rather play start off with them. But I just, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we shot ourselves in the foot here, let, you know, kept Colorado in it, even as bad as they are. And then, you know, Colorado being the home team pulls off an upset.
1: Yeah. So and
0: Carl Durell uh, solid.
1: Yeah. So this game is going to be a complete mirage, um, and I'm just we could go ahead and just like look at look ahead at this game right now. This is exactly the kind of game that Chip Kelly is going to go and we're going to beat up on Colorado, you know, poor old Colorado, and he'll be coming after the game and pouting his chest about how the last seven games we've won by an average margin of so many points. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're on the right, the, the, all these talking points, he's going to put them out there. You're going to hear the national media spewing them the, fo- the following week coming into Washington. Um, and you're going to hear all the, the great Chip Kelly buddies out there saying, go, oh, they, they've, they've won so many games by this many points, come out and support the team for Washington. Uh, and then we're... So this
0: has been interesting, this point you're bringing up about the media, because I think this has been the first time during Chip Kelly's tenure that there's been some criticism of around this program in the, in the media right now floating around. Would you agree with that? I,
1: I would. And, and this is why. Right. It's been so bad that because I would say the, the people that talk well of Chip Kelly, we all kind of know who they are. Right. It's it's Bruce Feldman. It's Colin Cowherd. And Kirk Herbstreit every now and then chimes in with with a few few jabs. Uh, these are all kind of like the Chip Kelly buddies, and they they they're always the ones kind of hyping us up before the season, and then not talking about us during the season after it's gone badly. But now you've seen the other people kind of come in and take notice of this because it's been really bad for again, you know the, the worst the first, worst record of a UCLA coach over four years, and we got to see how this fifth year goes. And not just that,
0: it's reflected in attendance. Uh, and, uh, the
1: attendance is so painfully bad, even by UCLA standards. And and there's always been a thing with UCLA, right? Like the Rose Bowl is big. It's this big arena that's shaped in a certain way, where if fifty or sixty thousand come in there, it looks like it's it's no one's there. Uh, but right now it's it's painfully it, 30,000 and, and I don't even think it's that. I I, I think that's like 28 or 29. Yeah. Right. Average. So that is making its way around and you have your pockets of people like the chip Kelly buddies saying, Oh, you got to go out and support the team. And then you got others just kind of being like, I get it. <laughs> this is bad. And this is, and, and, and let me just say this about the attendance. I, I feel most on this for our players. This is not what they came to UCLA for. And, and 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 you never come to UCLA thinking you're gonna get, you know, a passionate the passionate fans of Alabama or Nebraska, right? I don't think that's what you're thinking about. But but you expect for the work that you put in, week day after day, week after week, uh, this is a year round thing. These athletes go have 15 hour days pretty much every day and for all of that you know for one the results haven't been good and then you see that this is the support that you're getting i mean i feel most about this for these players and i blame it 95% yeah. on chip kelly because he sees what's happening he knows what's happening and it just, it doesn't bother him one bit and he's thinking of about this as a mature you know whatever his age is adult and these were 18, 19-year-old kids. And I'm sorry, like process and all that stuff, like they'll follow whatever process you want so long as it yields some results. These are 19-year-olds. They got to see something. And if you don't get that, then I don't know what you're doing as a college football head coach.
0: Well, especially now, I mean, it's funny. You, you mentioned results and like what what is this doing for me? I've read studies around, you know, this generation of, of kids growing up and going into even like the workforce, for instance, and they're very much like, okay, i put this in, now what do I get back? There's a lot more transactional kind of ROI mentality with things, and I don't know what they're getting back right now <laughs> in terms of uh, performance on the field, acknowledgement, like uh, fan support. And and I, I, I totally echo your sentiment. Like, the, the fa- lack of fan support is... I don't care about the, the monetary aspects and that kind of stuff right now, but it solely sucks the most for these kids who do put in all this work. Um, now I will say, there, I, and, and we've talked about all these factors going into it, the weather, the god-awful kickoff times combined with the weather, um, you know, the, the stadium and, and whatnot. And then, you know, the, the lack of students, I mean, students literally this past weekend was the first weekend they um actually were on campus and were moving in so i don't necessarily like fault the first two games are no students this first weekend people are literally moving in and whatnot so it's it's kind of like i don't fault the students for not making it that first game that are like moving in on that during that weekend like like and the games before obviously they're not even there so that obviously impacts us tremendously not having students for the first few games and I would hope you know go, starting conference play we get more out there but again and and this goes back to the stadium location and this is the new kind of buzz coming up since this whole attendance thing is being drummed up is does UCLA need to leave the Rose Bowl I, I don't think that it's a bad idea to leave the Rose Bowl, but to where? And before anybody says SoFi Stadium, no. <laughs> Just no. That would be the same um,
1: problems I, in a different arena that's an NFL arena.
0: I, I think there's some advantages. I think location is a little closer. You can get there a little easier. Um, Than the Rose Bowl, but yeah, I mean, it's it's the similar similar issue, right? You can't actually walk there. You can't get students there easily. You gotta bust them, and you know, um, getting in and out of there is not super easy right now. I've I've been to the stadium. It's and it's a beautiful stadium. It's an incredible stadium, really. Um, I, I was very impressed with the building, but at the end of the day, it is very much an NFL stadium. Like, it does not have the Feel and obviously the tradition, yet, but like the feel or like atmosphere that you would want in a college game. Uh, I just think it would feel very impersonal. I think it would create some buzz, and for the first few games, people would show up, it'd be cool, and then I think it would be like, okay, cool, this is the same thing uh, as we were going doing at the Rose Bowl, but with the less, uh, and I would argue maybe even like a, a Watered down experience at that point, just because you don't have the Rose Bowl like tailgating experience that you would um, that we have right now. It's a great experience, but you can't do that at SoFi Stadium, obviously. So, I think it's it's watered down in that aspect. Um, and then obviously, if the product isn't on the field, then people aren't going to show up regardless of what stadium it is. Except, I think there's one really one solution here, and I don't know how feasible it is, but. It's the on-campus stadium I think that's the 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 one solution that I think mitigates a lot of these issues um, even attendance because I think if you have this the stadium on campus you can incentivize enough students to literally just roll out of bed roll out of their their dorm rooms roll out of their apartments into the stadium and have a good, good sizable crowd just from that, and then you know have alumni and fans coming in, even if it's a small amount like we did that we've had so far uh, that kind of combined with the bigger student out um student uh attendance would would probably be much better than what we're getting right now um but again, feasibility I don't know, um,
1: yeah. So obviously I think an on-campus stadium is something that's been needed for a very long time. Uh, I, I think playing at the Rose bowl has been, has been great, um, for many reasons, right? I mean, I love the tailgate to the Rose bowl. Uh, I love the drive to the Rose bowl. I know it's like a pain for a lot of people, but it's, it's a nice drive down in there. You go to the golf course, you park and then you walk in and you see this big majestic arena. Um, and for someone like you or me who like appreciates that stuff, and again, the pageantry of college football, that's great, but that's not most fans, and I think we all uh, accept that. So an on-campus arena would solve a lot of, of those issues if you could find a space that's big enough, you could find you know places to park around that uh, could support the, the the amount of people we're talking about. Um, logistically, can this all happen? Uh, I, I don't think it can happen probably until the, the lease of the Rose Bowl is up, and then of course there's there's so many hoops to jump through uh, with this stuff with the city and then. I think the biggest thing is right now the UC Regents are all crying foul at us for for leaving and going to the Big Ten. Yeah, uh, they can fuck off. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I agree. I, I totally agree. Um, but anyways, all that aside, I, there are many reasons for the attendance the way it is. Um, you could we could talk about the the name recognition of the opponents. We can talk about the kickoff times, the traffic. I,
0: mean, I think that's a weak excuse. So,
1: so the number one, two, three, four, it. five reasons for. Bad attendance right now is the product on the field and th- that, that 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 it fundamentally comes down to that because ucla fans you know i i think most USA, ucla alums fans everyone that's around there they want to cheer for the team they, they want the bruins to win and when the bruins are are on and there's something there to be proud of they are watching they're all together and they're all they're, they're all cheering them on and, and they'll be there uh, I think all they're
0: not diehards, right? I think, I, and I think that's what you're pointing out. Like they're not diehards like us that will suffer through the pain and keep watching, but but they're they're very much fair weather fans but when they when we are winning and when there's something decent to watch they show up and they'll support the team. Yeah,
1: and and we should just accept a few things and this is what like again like the national media types should just understand. Like like Kirk Curb Street this week in this tweet where he's like, "Oh, I get that LA's a big town, but come on." It's like, "Okay, well, did you see what SC was doing for all these years until like this season? It was the same problem." The Rams just won the Super Bowl, and, and they're, they're playing a road game every week. They're playing silent counts because the road team has all their fans there. There are two teams in L.A., I think, that have cut through the tape and have loyal fan support that goes beyond how the team is doing, and that's the Lakers and the Dodgers, um, and especially the Lakers. That's, that's earned success over many, many decades. So aside from that, I mean, it's hard to cut your teeth here as, as a sports as a sports team. And so, fans here are never going to be what they are in Lincoln, Nebraska. They're never going to be what they are in these Midwest and Southern places. It it never has been, and never will be that. But UCLA fans in general, UCLA alums, they're they're proud of their school. They want their school to do well, and they just want a, something that they're proud of to, to to watch and to cheer for. I think we've seen that now through a few coaches, right? Like with basketball Ooh, and Stephen during mora right i mean just a respectable product that's on the field a team that you're proud of to watch and you know they're not going to win the national championship you know they're probably not even going to win the conference but i I remember that our, our our senior year uh you know i think we started that year three and two and then we won a game at arizona state and then the next week it was like hey we're now in the in the south picture and we're in the in the race and we were ranked 25th and we went and played arizona and, and you and me went to that game, and we went with a few others. It was the homecoming game. It was the homecoming game, and like we got there at a, the time we always usually get there, right? Because it's never that hard to get in. We didn't get in until the second quarter because there were 81,000 people there, right? Like We just had a little bit of success, and then people all showed up for homecoming. And then the rest of that year, the home games were as such where we got 70,000, 80,000, and then the, the entirety of the beginning of the Mora era was like that. And again... That's just a, that
0: C game was basically sold out.
1: Yeah. So, and again, that's just a respectable team, and we've seen this in basketball too, right? I mean, Steve Alford. We just if we have a, a team that's just respectable that we're proud of, like like this season, for example, we started in the in the top top five, but you know we, we fell out of it and we were like between ten and fifteen and 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 somewhere whereabouts. But people were coming out there, especially if it was like a weekend game. Because it was a team that you could be proud of a cheer on. And that's all we're looking for. And right now we have a coach that doesn't care about the fans. He doesn't care about the results. He doesn't care that the fans aren't there. It's clear in, in, in just the way he's acting. Because if he cared, he would act differently. He would be, be having more fan engagement events. He would be preaching out more for fans to come out and support the team. And he's not doing it. And then beyond that we have a a program that i mean no one really knows what it's about right i mean we recruit weird we don't develop them the best that we could we don't really get players drafted this last year was like the first time we got some players drafted and we don't win so like what are we talking about like again this is not lincoln nebraska this this never will be so get that out of your head if there's something that is somewhat proud that there to watch. Even Carl Durrell got fifty, sixty thousand for most of his games, because again, like the team was bad, but like there were some players there they could cheer for, and the team at least won won six six or seven games every year. I mean, just get something out there for us, and and they'll be there.
0: Yeah, I think what the media is also missing out on is you know this. Yes, this past season we won eight games. This season, you know, we're projected to win. You know, were projected to win you know nine eight nine ten games but the several seasons before it were so bad and so just m- miserable um even going back into like the end of the mora years like it's very hard to be- rebuild that like trust and the the um Uh, the fanaticism again around the team right or even not even fanaticism but that pride and you're right it's it's been that it's been years of compounding things that there's it's hard to be proud of something when you know you were in the dumps for so long but not only that but also this also feels like a flash in the pan like we don't even if we do win 10 games we know it's not sustainable so and we've said this over and over again, so I'm not going to rehash that point. But it just it, there's so many reasons um, for this attendance thing. Um, but it is taking legs even amongst the UCLA community. You know, Troy Aikman is talking about it, and we know that he's buddies with Casey Wasserman, and you know, involved in you know some of the big donor stuff. Um, you know, there's alleged big donors. Uh, on some of the forums allegedly reaching out to big-named architects to drum up interests. Like, I I don't know how much of this is real or what this is going to do, but I do think that for all of the reasons against a non-campus stadium, the politics, the neighborhoods against it, you know, the parking and logistics, all that kind of stuff, it would be remiss for Martin Jarman and UCLA to not kick the tires on this every couple of years. Um, and I know for a fact, I have never seen them, but I've talked to people who have, that have, see, that have seen the plans that were, I think drafted up in the eighties or nineties for the stadium that was, um, proposed to be built where Drake stadium is. So is essentially a 50, 60,000 person stadium that took up Drake a little uh, part of the IM field and like would have uh sufficed and been a great uh thing to have on campus but obviously got shot down so there there is a way to do this it's not going to be easy it's going to be insanely difficult but I, I do think that UCLA should keep beating this drama
1: until it possibly could come through for all these media types that keep saying, oh, well, you won eight games last year. You have a chance to win nine or ten games this year. Do you realize that South Alabama may be the signature win of the Chip Kelly era so far? It may turn out to be that. Because because I went back, at the, oh, you beat LSU last year. LSU finished six and seven. They, they fired the coach. All right? Uh, oh, you beat SC. SC fired the coach. They went four and eight. All right? I, I would say because I looked at this this morning too, before we started this signature win of the Chip Kelly era so far, uh, if we just look at, you know, where that team finished, you know, it, it finished the season, you'd have to go back to, to 2019. We played Arizona state at home. They, they finished eight, eight and five that year. Uh, right. They won seven and five. They went, went seven and five and they won the bowl game against Florida state. Uh, and they were ranked 24th when we played them. That right now is our signature win of the Chip Kelly era. And other than that, you know, e- even that year we came back against Washington State, uh, they finished six and seven. We have beaten just that team, and I got to go verify this, but just that team that's finished with a winning record. So let's get this out of our heads that, oh, we should be so grateful because we won eight games. We won eight games against a soft schedule, and any time we play it, not just any ranked team, it's just a team with a winning record. We're out. So South Alabama, I would say so far, may end up being the team that has the best record to finish the year uh, of a team that we beat of the entire Chip Kelly era. That's what it is.
0: Well, yeah. I don't have much more to say um, on this, uh, but... I know we're we're close to wrapping up but i do want to talk about basketball for one quick second before we do let's do it um so we got our second big commitment of the the 23 class brandon williams um, the second person second player with the last name williams the williams brothers even though they're not related in any way or form um committed to us out of new york um another big power forward commit uh you know what what we really like about this kid is he is only 16 and is going to develop even further um and I'm pretty stoked for for this guy. I think he's going to fit the Mc mold really well.
1: Yeah, kind of reminds you a little bit of when we got Chris Smith back in the day, right? He he you reclassified and came here early and uh ended up becoming a obviously really good and you know, we haven't watched tape on on Brandon Williams, but looks to be someone that fits the profile of what Cronin wants, a long, athletic, combo forward type. He can play. Looks like, looks like they've recruited him to play the Jaime Jaquez role uh, of kind of that wing forward, uh, where he can play in that four spot or that three spot. Uh, he can guard wings. He can guard fours. Uh, so that looks to be, like, where they've recruited him to. He's going to be a three- to four-year player, it looks like. Uh, and that's two of those now in this class that you can kind of build on. And we got to see now what happens with Andre Storiakovic. He just finished his visits to Texas and Oregon. And you would think, you know, hopefully soon down the road, um, hopefully we can get him in. And that's, I think, a solid start. That's a solid three-man class. The, uh, the disappointing news is that uh, it looks like we were looking for some European players to come in this season, two of them, and it looks like we may not get them now. Uh, so that's a bit of a blow, just from the standpoint that I think, if we had gotten that along with these three guys, uh, that would have pretty much set us up uh, for for next season, where we could just gone for a few transfers. But I still think there's some some routes that that Mick Cronin can take and probably will take between international and transfer recruits for this upcoming season as well.
0: Yeah, we'll see where it shakes out, but we're we're. I think slowly building, going to be building a very good class. I think we jumped up in some of the rankings to like the 15th or 16th class with his commit, so we're 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 gaining steam here, and um, yeah, I'm excited to to see what the future there is. That's that's one program I'm not terribly worried about right
1: now. But. No, you talk about a coach that's. Uh being resourceful and looking for ways to solve this. I mean, I th- again, if we get these three guys and we still have, say, three to four scholarships, what's good about that is you have three people who are probably longer-term players in the program and can get in and build a culture and do all that. And you can go and find some transfers that can contribute right away. And, you know, it should be a pretty hot transfer destination. And if you believe the reports, UCLA has been that, just we haven't had scholarships to, to give to anybody. So you can get a couple of straight up impact transfers and then find a couple international players and that all seems really doable because you know it seems like we have the connections to international recruits where we could get them um and you could feel confident about that and then the transfers again you believe the reports it's something that's been there yeah
0: in chip we trust or not <laughs> no,
1: no, no 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 <laughs> no
0: in mick we trust um and uh yeah we'll see what what happens there but Um, I think with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up. Um, We'll be back to you next week um, after the Colorado game. And, um, yeah, we'll see what happens there. Go Bruins. Go Bruins. All right.